Hello and welcome to this episode. As I always say, we're not really a radio station and we're not just about Stockton Heath. So that's that cleared up. That said, it never is. Cleared up, I mean. Anyway, I'm going to start off here with another of my conversations with local radio legend Tony Horn. Here, I'm talking a little bit more with him in his garden over a barbecue about ghostwriting and how, if you are interested, into breaking into it. Anyway, ghostwriting. <laughs> well, ghostwriting, actually, getting back to ghostwriting, I think. So, an audio book on how to ghostwrite. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when you do a how-to book and people buy it and you read about these people... I guarantee they'll sell. How-to books is a massive yeah. market. Yeah. I need a ghostwriter for it. <laughs> <laughs> I well, well, I'll just say a couple of things on that. I mean, firstly, the how-to market is massive, particularly in the States. Secondly, at the start of this year, I made about 45 video seminars, three minutes long. But here's the other thing, and this is... I don't mind lifting the lid on this, and what I'm about to say is not a stroke of genius, but all these how-to books, people go and buy them, and, of course, if you go and copy the method in the book, you'll fail because we're talking about a business that centers around an individual being original. And yeah, if I said, I can give people advice, like I can go, don't watch the telly. Write seven to 10 at night, the telly's rubbish, go and write. Find hours in the day that aren't there. That's the best advice I can give people. The next best advice, treat it like a job, as I say, so you don't do it. When you've got a clear Saturday and the kids are out, you do a little bit very often. Otherwise, you won't get your book done. You can give that advice, and that's fine, consistent advice. But if you give people specific examples of how you made it or whatever, and they try and follow it, they won't succeed. I understand this because we've all been to conferences in life. But if you go to a conference, I've been at radio conferences with these guys flown in from the States, and everyone around me is making notes and asking questions to look good, to look good. And they're writing this down, and I'm thinking, do you not even know that on instinct? And it underlines to me how over-promoted some perceived talent can be. If I go to a conference, I only ever have one expectation from it. Do I walk out of it inspired? So I understand that smart people would buy a ghostwriting course, not to follow the blueprint, but for two reasons, really. Ghostwriting is a very solitary experience. You spend a huge amount of time on your own. Several people have helped me. A woman in New Zealand called Trish Clark helped me. And she wrote a book called Good Night, God Bless, where she toured every convents in Europe that have been turned into youth hostels. Uh, I don't know much about her, but she helped me. And writers will help writers. They will give advice, but advice is the wrong word. They'll share experiences. And I think you take advice, you take inspiration from other people telling their own experience to you. There are many shared experiences, but in writing particularly, there are many, many individual experiences. So what I would want to do if I did that course is I would just want to give people the confidence they can do it and I would want to inspire them to get right in now. And I know that when I'm on form, I know I can be one of the most inspirational people ever. You cannot follow someone's blueprint. And I'll give you a really good example of this. It's one of my favorite stories ever. But a lot of people say, how do you get a book agent? And I'll say, well, do you need one? And that in itself is, a, is an area that's changed because the art of self-publishing of eBooks means that if you can reach an audience, which is as important as the story that you have, you can do everything yourself now. So I got a book agent anyway in 2011, Humphrey Hunter. And it goes a bit like this. And I've told the story a few- based? He's in London. Right. 
Alan Shearer rings me up and says, can you get my daughter's tickets for Justin Bieber at the Newcastle Arena? No, I can't, Alan. Goodbye. <laughs> he says, really? And I says, no, I can't. I said, it's sold out. I said, but they can meet him because the radio station has a meet and greet with Bieber and it's like 30 people are gonna meet him. I can get you girls on the list. He said, great. He says, if you get me tickets, I'll give you the money. I'm in Qatar at the moment doing football. Uh, I'll call you when I get back. So I've never, of all the people that I've worked with in radio, there are a lot of people that pull strings, take freebies, exploit the industry. In my entire career, I've had two river dance tickets and a free Xbox. I've had some discounted rates That's at hotels. An Xbox, too many. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few discounted hotels, a, a few free meals, but it's an industry, less so now, of blaggers, where the freebie has been king. And why is that? Because people want you to play their records, etc. Now, that is not me. And for all my experience and hours on the air and high profile career, I never went down that route. I loved radio and I went home at the end of the day. I didn't live the stereotypical lifestyle. Now, I rang Shearer back and I said, look, I've on this occasion, I said, I've asked and I can get you two tickets. And I said, in exchange, you will need to help this person out in a box at Newcastle United at some point. And he said, yeah, that's fine. He said, how much do I owe you? And I said, I just want you to tell me who published that dodgy book of yours. So Alan had published this book of his pictures or something. And he went, right, hang on a minute, I'll call you back. And he, he rings me back and he goes, you need to talk to Humphrey, he published Kenny's book. And I said, is this Kenny Dalgleish we're talking about and who's Humphrey? And he went, yeah, yeah, Humphrey Hunter sold Kenny's book. I went, does he know who I am? And I said, uh, uh, sorry, he said, uh, yeah, yeah, he knows you're gonna call. Does he know why I'm calling? Yeah, yeah, he knows. So we couldn't get an agent for the David Rathband book, Tango 190, despite this being one of the biggest news stories of the year that played out live on TV. David gets a Pride of Britain award in front of 11 million people. So, uh, Nick Clegg gives it to him, another politician cashing in on uh, David's you know, fame, if you like. Nick Clegg, who on the day of David's first funeral was in Gateshead at a Lib Dem conference talking about something like inheritance tax, but having given David his Pride of Britain award, didn't go to the funeral, even though he was a mile away, which annoys me. But anyway, Duncan Bannertime was patron of David's charity, the Blue Lamp Foundation, which is not a charity that I really am into for other reasons, which you know is another conversation. Yeah. But Bannertine, when I put the words BLF on um, Twitter after David's death, he questioned what BLF was, Blue Lamp Foundation, that he's the patron of. Bannertine did try, but couldn't help us get an agent for, or get a book deal for David's book, even though he's very connected, of course. Could have published it himself. Anyway, Humphrey rings me back, the agent, and says, what have you got? And I said, well, I've done 25,000 words. I've not even read it. It's, it's not even spell-checked. He said, send it over. And I was in a travel lodge in Newcastle. It was four o'clock in the afternoon, nine o'clock the next morning, he said, uh, I've got you a deal. And I, I love that story as long as it is, but Justin Bieber got me a book deal. Um, so to answer your question about writing a course or something, obviously, anyone listening to this, is not gonna get a book deal because of Justin Bieber or Alan Shearer. But what they might take from it, the inspiration is, if you know anybody that is connected, choose the moment to say, I'm gonna call in a favor right now and I'm never gonna ask again. And I think that's the moral of the story. So a course is about the moral of the story rather than the actual A to Z of, of ghostwriting. Long story, but I think it makes sense. Well, sort of going slightly off on a tangent. Thank you.
Okay, so that's ghostwriting done and dusted. Now, I'm going to continue by talking to a couple of people, and the rather tenuous link, I admit, between the two conversations is coffee. It's amazing how much we pay for coffee when we are out and about, especially if you go into one of the main coffee chains. You'd think they would lower their prices, seeing as they don't seem to pay tax in the same way as small independent coffee shops do. Imagine if all those big businesses paid proper tax rates. If they did, there'd be plenty of money to pay for essential services, like Warrington's YMCA. The destitute and those with mental health issues need the YMCA in Warrington just to keep them off the streets and have a coffee, I guess, at a bare minimum. Not a fancy coffee, just an ordinary coffee. Nighttime is falling There's snow on the ground People are talking Are they just making sound? Cold wind is blowing It brings with a chill Survival is hard It's a sheer Test of will I wanna be called Cardboard City by local songwriter Ray Humphreys. I called into the YMCA last week to hear about the daily struggles to keep the place open. The YMCA is here to help. Well, you tell me, who's it to help? Vulnerable people, not just people with addictions, but mainly people with mental health problems. Um, many years ago, when they closed places like the Hospital down, they opened Holland's Park, which was much smaller. They had care in the community, which was let down massively. A lot of people were let down massively. And to have voices in your head and stuff like that, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, can't be nice. We're a major drop-off point for the police when they have mental health call-outs and stuff like that. That's actually shown on the 999 response. They actually come in here and leave people. There was one guy last night, he didn't have any clothes, didn't know where he'd come from really. The police had just identified a card. They brought him here. He was looked after, showered, changed, dressed and taken down to the night at the inn, which is a night shelter which houses about 11 people, which is not an awful lot for Warrington. 11, is that all? That's all our night shelter houses. If this mass commodity that they have here goes, basically people that can't be dealt with in hospitals, the police can't really deal with them. But they can't lock them up, but they can't leave them on the streets. This is a safe haven for those people. People that are very vulnerable. There's bright eyes in the morning Staring at my life From my core place of comfort I see little that I like no compassion 
And it's not very much a year, and it's about 38,000 pounds, which covers the health workers that have to be on site. That's 38 a year. Yes. That's nothing, is it? No, not in comparison to what they do spend, and they spend on other projects. The only other thing I saw was, and I can't remember who it was, the person who's made the decision is saying that there are other charities available that will cover it. There was on the Warrington Borough Council website £2,500 grants available for knitting clubs and coffee mornings and stuff like that, and I posted on it and linked a lot of people in with it, saying, could the YMCA have one of those grants sort of thing? But that was the press release that Professor I'm going to struggle Rumors. reading that without my glasses on, so you don't, okay. you don't have to... I'll take it, but you're going to have to tell me what... what yeah. I often walk around Warrington's cultural quarter in the late afternoon summer sunshine as I make my way to a particular shop, normally a coffee shop, before they close for the evening. Later I might walk up Bridge Street towards the crossroads. You have to admit a good job has been done in the town over the last few years. For a town centre it does look very pretty. Occasionally, I'll walk around Manchester or Liverpool. I don't enjoy those walks as much, to be honest, simply because the streets aren't as looked after as much. Not only that, Warrington doesn't appear to have the same heartbreaking homelessness issues that our two main neighbouring cities suffer with. In fact, you'd be forgiven for thinking Warrington doesn't have a homelessness problem at all. The reason that we think this, though, is because the YMCA on Winmarley Street ensures that the town streets aren't as populated with people with nowhere to go as Liverpool or Manchester are. Last week I walked up Winmarley Street heading towards the town hall, prior to turning right along Sankey Street and into the main shopping area of our town. Winmarley Street, like most of Warrington street names, does have an interesting history behind it. Though, to be honest, I'd guess most visitors to Warrington wouldn't glance at Winmarley Street, perhaps only using it to park up for half an hour whilst in search of a coffee somewhere. To be fair though, there doesn't appear to be a lot on Winmarley Street that would hold the attention of most casual shoppers. Though, if you do look, it does have some interesting architecture and buildings with a lot of history. For example, heading up towards the town hall, you might not even notice the classical red brick faced facade of Winmarley House that I think, although I'm not exactly sure, but I think it is owned by the Masons. The reason I think this is because it's also known as the Warrington Masonic Hall. I don't know if you know much about the Masons, I know I don't, but from what I can see, the Warrington Masonic Group is for males only. Although, as it says on their website, female family members are invited to social evenings at Christmas. And as a man, generally you have to be invited to join by an existing member. Though once again on their website, it does state that there is also a process that allows you to apply directly and chance your luck, I guess. The non-profit organisation, the YMCA, located on Warrington's Winmarley Street, has been providing help and care to the town's most vulnerable people for a very long time. It opened its doors in 1855. You might know that Warrington's 160-year-old YMCA is due to close after losing a major council contract. Warrington Borough Council is trying to save £21 million. read with interest your article on the YMCA Warrington Guardian website. We would love to know what other charities in the borough also provide a range of similar services to the YMCA. So what are there other charities that do provide something similar but not exact? 
goes on to say we would love to know which charities are open 365 days a year. The charity that provides an emergency night shelter for homeless people. The charity where rough sleepers and vulnerable people can go after five o'clock in the evening. A charity where rough sleepers can take a shower where people can get a meal and a hot drink, where rough sleepers can wash their clothes and store their belongings. To a casual observer, one that doesn't think about it closely, it would appear that the YMCA is a national charity, i.e. one that is funded by the global YMCA group. Unfortunately, this isn't the case. It's actually a local charity that has to pay to use the YMCA name. The national YMCA, as a consequence, provides no help to local branches. Luckily though, Warrington's YMCA on Winmarley Street has received money over the years to keep it going. However, that all changed last April when its funding was withdrawn. census count, it was noted that Warrington has over 202,000 residents. If only half, not all, but if only half of those residents paid an extra 40 pence a year on their council tax, that extra money would cover the cost required to keep the YMCA doing an important job. Obviously, there will be many that say, why should we pay to keep them? You'll have heard those sort of people, I know I have. The people that say those sort of comments clearly have never set foot in the place and seen that it's far from luxury. I know that there's no way any kind of reasoned argument will get through to that type of person. So, instead, let's consider the impact on the streets of Warrington and its surrounding villages. The reason that most people don't believe Warrington has a homelessness issue is because of the work done by the YMCA's small staff and army of volunteers, keeping the nighttime streets as empty as possible of any homeless people. Without the YMCA, and to an extent, James Lee House across town, with its 38 beds available for males only, incidentally, where do vulnerable females go? I think we know the answer to that. Far too late when she realized That promises and kisses turn to lies All those promises When is it going to close? Or when will it might? When it was it November, but we've done enough fundraising with the festival last year. We've got car boots arranged. We've got um, a walk the YMC walk on the 24th of September. Um, so we've managed to keep it open. We've got enough funding now till February, but even February is a critical time of the year. Well, you'll know as well as I do, February is always very cold. Yes. 
we often see Christmas, December time, early January, it's reasonably warm, then we get it cold again. We have done for years, every year for about the last 10, 15 years. It's not just it's the companionship, it's a place to go, it's, it's the safety, it's the security, it's that people trust the staff here. How many people are here at any one time, roughly? It can be anything from... Sue? I'll be one second. Sue's best at giving me statistics because I just fun over it. What all this is saying is that, yeah, we know there's change in the house, but where will the ladies go? The homeless. There's no provisions made for ladies. Right, I didn't realise that because I don't really know much about it. Is James Lee House just male? Yes. Right. Yeah, and they have 38 beds for homeless people. Right. Like I say, however, as far as we know, they don't provide showers, clothes, washing, storage, belongings, or postal address. So where are the women supposed to go? Exactly. And this is our town. I mean, do we want to end up like Manchester and Liverpool with people everywhere on the streets because they can't so for service to fly? Always a smile on her face But if you look into her eyes You see the tears she's crying Any nighttime trip to Liverpool or London or Manchester or Leeds or wherever like that will show you that there are many rough sleepers. By contrast, Warrington is remarkably clear of that, despite the fact that, proportionally, Warrington has just as many. How is this possible? It's partially possible by all the work that the staff at the YMCA do. Warrington's YMCA desperately needs £38,000 a year. Yes, that's a lot, I know, but as I pointed out earlier, if only half of the residents of Warrington paid even up to 50 pence a year extra on their council tax, it would be enough to keep the YMCA going and the homeless off the streets. I know people, and I bet you know people as well, that will say things like, charity begins at home, and why can't those people get a job? But it's a trap, isn't it? If you're homeless, Who's going to give you a job? If you've got mental health issues, who's going to give you a job? If you're homeless, how do you in fact apply for a job? As I say, you'll know people the same as I do that make flippant comments without really thinking about it. And I think that those people only make those flippant, unthinking, dismissive comments because they know they will always have a well-paid, totally secure job for life. Everyone knows today that once you have a good, well-paid job for life, you can't possibly lose it through ill health, divorce, or any number of other reasons that hit you from nowhere. It's impossible, isn't it? It's impossible to lose a job, possibly through mental health issues. And you'll no doubt hear some people saying that it's just a lifestyle choice. Clearly that must be true, because it's easy to read it in some newspapers or on TV. There seems to be no end of poverty porn TV shows lately. We know why those TV companies make those poverty porn programs. They're cheap and they're easy to make. They're not really documentaries, they're documentary trees. The morning time comes too fast. How I wish my sleep would last. Every night I hope and pray that I don't see the break of day. I don't want to be alone. I don't alone sat here now by myself you were my life you were my wealth now 
heart's dear I don't want to be alone I don't want to be alone Every day I want you here with me Every day I pray I'll be set free I've lived that day so many times I just can't clear it from my mind No matter what I try to do I just can't change the way for you I don't want to be alone I don't want to be alone Clearly then, it's impossible for those flippant people to ever get a life-changing illness or worse their children or main money provider in the home, be that husband or wife. Clearly illness of that nature can't happen to normal people, normal people who go out to work. Life only deals a bad hand to lazy, skiving, ill people. That's what those people would tell you. Well, it's a trap, isn't it? Because if they don't have anywhere that they can say is their address, they can't claim anything. And if they can't claim anything, then it exacerbates, yeah, it exacerbates the problem, doesn't it? Just a complete vicious circle. Roughly, what do you think you need a year to keep it going? About 40. 38 grand a year, but we're not asking the council for all that. We've done a petition and we've got about 2,400 signatures to have that looked at at the next council meeting. We're not asking to fund all of us, we just need some support from our council. Are they saying they're going to pull all the money from you? Yeah, all the money's been pulled. It was pulled on April the 1st. Since then we've been campaigning and fundraising for the authorities to rethink about what we've done. And we've had to fundraise to stay open until November and then done enough to stay open until February. Next February. So it's February 2017. You've just, yeah. just about got enough to Last year we had, it wasn't the same people, 423,000 visits in a year. Wow. And you can see this is, this is not busy, this. This is not busy. That doesn't mean to say that they were individuals, but, you know, it, we do have people who come in every day for needs and things like that. 
Um, the challenge is that the people that we work with, many other people, agencies don't want to work with or they've already shown them the door really. And as you can see the, the details from Stephen Broomhead, he's saying, well there are, are other services who can provide these services. Well why aren't they stepping forward now? Because if we are in threat of closure... Has he said what these services are? No, and we've asked them to say it specifically. Basically what's happened is we, we got a grant from Warrington Borough Council for health, around health and social inclusion and for people with drug and alcohol problems, mainly for people who were marginalised, who weren't engaging with you know, everyday services for like pathways, they weren't attending, but they were using drugs and alcohol. So we were working with those people to get to try and engage them into services. We're a charity, we have no axe to grind, we don't have any power with those people other than the relationship that we build up with them really. And that's got power on both sides really. I hope that we, we, they respect us and we respect them. Sometimes it's very challenging, um, but they know when they come here that this is a safe environment. It's not an environment where they can get away and do whatever they choose, far from it. But it's also not somewhere where they're going to be, if you like, pushed about and say, you do this or, or whatever, really. Whatever you do, you're up for any actions or consequences. Every day Like a shiver in the night Like a cold winter's day Life without you is not for me I will find a way They, for that 38,000, they are now providing this service within Housing Plus, which is the health and wellbeing service, which is part of the Borough Council anyway, which was there anyway, and is like a bit of an add-on. You know, they're good workers, but they're used to working with, you know, they ask you things like, do you want to give up smoking? Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to join a knitting club? And I'm not trying to demean any of those things. They're all valuable things to do. But some of our people are not even yet at those, you know, it's where they're going to stay tonight, what they're going to eat, you know, somebody's thrown them out, the head's in a shed, what do they do? So it's all that very first base stuff, really. So we've been instructed now is that we're not to provide that, they have to go over there and wait and um, they will deliver those services. There's an old joke that works by using ostensibly innocuous words to make it sound like an insult. You'll no doubt know it. You'll have heard people say, you for coffee, as a jokey insult. Why am I talking about this? Well, it's because coffee is the main theme of this podcast, though the two main conversations that I've had this week look at drinking coffee from different perspectives. It's a mess, isn't it? I get that the council is under pressure of constant cutbacks, but 38000 a year seems a small amount to keep the vulnerable and those with mental health issues safe. I know some listening to this will say, why should I pay tax to help them? I have to work, etc, etc. I know, but those people are trapped and need help. That's what society is. Society helps all. If you don't want a decent society, and would prefer anarchy, where it's every man for himself, well, I know I don't want that. And also, don't forget, it's not your money once you've been taxed. It's the government's money, 
You can't say, why should I pay for those people? It's not your money once it's been taken off you. There are many things I don't agree with about how my money should be spent, but I don't get a say in it. I can't pick and choose how my tax money gets spent. It would be like me chasing after the milkman and telling him how to spend the money that I gave him. It's his money now, not mine. I don't get to choose how he should spend what was once my money, but is now his. Anyway, on the same day as I spoke to the two ladies at the YMCA, I also spoke to the owner of Warrington's newest independent coffee shop. Remember, I did say there would be a link between the two main conversations I had, and that link being coffee. Rob, the owner, has only been open a couple of months. Obviously it's tough competing with the big chain coffee shops and their infamous lack of paying proper amounts of tax. But Rob and his business partner at Dick's Bean Bar by Central Station are offering wonderful coffee for commuters to Manchester and Liverpool, as well as to our townsfolk. I had a chat with him about how he's getting on. Though for some reason, and I don't really know why to be quite honest, the audio quality wasn't quite as good as it should be. Anyway, have a listen. So how long have you been here? Well, you did tell me, but I forgot. Yeah, we opened 16th of May. And what we're now? Just over three and a half months. And it's been plain sailing, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yes, we opened the doors. Everyone just flooded through. Yeah, it's um, it was a little bit surprising because everyone that comes in, they seem to come back, they enjoy it. It's just getting through the door in the first place. Yeah, I think everybody's going to be saying it at the moment. It's still my holidays. You say that, but our, our figures from opening, we're up to around 230 customers that visit us weekly. Yeah. And that's steadily grown even through the summer holidays. But where it's different is the clientele that's coming through. We did have quite a good Saturday trade, whereas the summer holidays have completely flattened the Saturday down because there's, there's no families. They're all the way on holiday yeah. and staying in Wales or further abroad. So as midweek trade, picked up midweek trade is it's really good in the morning the commuters were very popular if they will need their caffeine hit first yeah. thing in the morning so what are the plans for this place apart from more beano counters this is great it's having a beano counter a beano counter well yeah is that because you like the beano or is it because it's got bean in it no either <laughs> unfortunately uh the bean the bean thing was a coincidence initially said to my wife i kind of want to do a pop-up or popular culture thing and, and she was like what do you mean and i was like well i'd seen in manchester someone put like, like cartoon strips yeah. in but really thin so you couldn't actually identify what they were and it was wasted in a toilet so I thought I'd do that on a, on a main wall downstairs as a feature wall and my wife said well I think my beanos when I was a little girl are still at my mum's oh so these are real ones so these are beanos from 83-84 and you've just and we've, them onto it yeah we've actually got them all boxed from 82 through to about 87 I thought you'd had a counter no, printed that's, that's, that's right oh wow no, that's nothing good. more than have you varnished them yep so what are the plans staying here forever or are you going to branch out yeah I'd love to branch out it's hopefully the first of an empire for the family we've got it's a bit of a target the building so the ground floor where you came in at the minute probably the commuters are only aware of that side of it whereas we've got the games lounge this room there's another room on yeah, this floor i didn't notice your sign specifying you've got anywhere upstairs well when we first opened we didn't uh, so when we walked up we just thought wow this is a great room and then there's another great room here as well and then there's another floor to go which needs a fair bit of work at the minute what will that be We'll probably move the games room up to the top floor, and then there's another room on this floor. So we have three lounge areas with the gaming area upstairs, two toilets on the top floor, and then a toilet on the ground floor as well. To be honest, I don't know why I think this, but I think upstairs would be better for gaming. Yeah, it's just this kind of. The reason I say that is if you do get a massive rush, there is a train delayed or whatever, and you get a lot of people in. 
I bet they don't want to go crawling all the way upstairs. No, it's going to be game yeah. rooms. But it's a great location. You're right next to the bus station, which you can probably hear all that beeping of reversing buses. In fact, you're closer to the bus station than you are to the train station, and the train station's only about 30 seconds away. Yeah, we're on the, on the doorstep of the bus exchange and next door to the train station. I bet people come from Manchester to here just for a coffee on the train. <laughs> I hope so. There's a few people have said to me, great, I can get a decent coffee in Warrington now. And I don't have to travel to Manchester to get my coffee in the morning. Okay, so that's part of my conversation that I had with Rob about his coffee shop that he's opened up with his business partner, Steve, Dick's Bean Bar, opposite the bus station and about 30 seconds away from Central Station. To be honest, we did have quite a long talk, about 30 or 40 minutes. I've only played you part of it here because, as I said a few moments ago, and I don't really know why what went wrong, but the audio quality hasn't turned out all that good. So perhaps at a future point I'll call back in and I'll have another conversation with Rob to see how he's got on. Anyway, I'm going to finish up here now then, now that we've talked about a few things, starting off with ghost writing, moving on to the issues that the YMCA on Wynn Marley Street is facing, and then moving on to Talking Coffee with Rob. When I was doing some research for the YMCA, I did find out quite a bit of information about Wynn Marley Street. I've run out of time here to talk about it further, so I guess I'm going to leave it, and we'll probably pick up on that in a future podcast. Anyway, I'll leave it here then, and I'll talk to you again soon.